Welcome, Sega Superfans, to another Sega Guys podcast. And not just a normal Sega Guys podcast, quite a special one. But with me as ever, he is the Peter Moore to my Tom Kalinske. It's James the Sega Holic. How you doing, mate? <laughs> Two of the most legendary guests <laughs> of Grace this podcast. We are absolutely buzzing on what is our 50th show. 50? Look at us. How do you manage to get? Who decided to be us? <laughs> Look at us! Look at us! <laughs> no, oh. yeah, all from those humble beginnings, mate. I honestly, didn't think we'd, you know, never thought we'd get to the the heights we have, and yeah, just grateful to to be here and celebrating this episode. Yeah, crazy, mate. Absolutely crazy, as we say. You know, we've hit fifty. We've kind of been pedal to the metal since we came back in August you know I think this will be show number this will be the 16th but Peter Moore was 14 uh, no, so this will be 15 yeah. and we've already got episode 16 in the bag that we recorded three weeks ago because we got Peter in between and then we moved that <laughs> because we realised this was 50 so we had to record this instead so it's just yeah <laughs> what's that mean and he was just like you know it's our 50th episode and I was like is it <laughs> Yeah, and then I joked that um, it must be the only podcast where one of the co-hosts is almost as old as the number of episodes that's been recorded. <laughs> I am 44 this year. Oh. Combined age of over over 80, mate. Combined or older than older than Sega. <laughs> that's depressing. <laughs> Probably older than all the Radio Sega staff as well. I well, I think Viper said he was twenty when I watched that kind of conference that they did with him in KC, and they had like a kind of a guy broadcasting for the states, and they had like a wee panel there, and Viper said he was twenty, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, thanks Radio Sega for having us and just making us feel like dinosaurs. Uh, so, so basically, <laughs> w- what's happened is that Radio Sega is now essentially confirmed as a retirement home for like <laughs> old retro gamers. <laughs> We're just we're just going to fester here until our final days talking about Sega. That's <laughs> like a pair of retro gaming Uncle Alberts during the console war of nineteen ninety five. Yeah, yeah, you'd be like, yeah, so Sony so were underhand. Yeah, that's all right, James. Take take your pills, go. On. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not finished, damn it. <laughs> oh, oh super well, up, mate. But what we were thinking of doing, mate, was just talking through, you know, 50. We can't talk about 50 things because we don't have the time. But, you know, we, we, I think we'll be talking at a lot of three-hour podcasting. But, you know, I think we were talking, spitballing a few ideas. We were talking about doing my favourite Sega to each other. But then I think everyone knows what our favourite Sega console would be, what our favourite games would be. So then you said a top five games. And then we sort of thought we would have a top five games. And the top five Sega guys moments. We'll pick those each, yep, and just briefly touch on them. So, yeah, looking forward to getting into this one, mate. Uh, something a wee bit different, I think. You know, it'd be easy to kind of pick a, a topic, and I think as well we toyed with the idea of moving, you know, Peter Moore to the fiftieth as it was such a big guest. But I think you know we've promoted when that's going out, so it is when it is. So um, this one got out as a fifty. So I think it's. A good time to kind of reflect and look at what we've done and maybe 
give listeners a bit of a, an insight into our thinking behind the madness that has transpired for <laughs> for 49 episodes before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, so we've got five moments each, five games each, so 20 things to go through. In the words of Sega Lordex, there's a lot to get into, so let's get into it. <laughs> and he might be coming soon as well, by the way. I've been talking yeah. to Mel through email, so that might be coming. But Oh, that would be that would be amazing. He's a very busy man. We've got a date penciled in for sometime in March, so when we have that confirmed, hopefully we'll let you guys know, but we're looking forward to that one if and when it happens. That would be absolutely fantastic. So, mate, I'll kick us off with my top five moments. Starting at number five. Now, I changed my number five because I saw that you had the same one on your list, so I'll let you get to that. <laughs> so I thought we'll go for, go for different moments just to spice things up a bit, but... My number five is the Saturn years. And the reason I picked the Saturn years is because, as we, everyone knows, that's listened to us for long enough, the Sega Saturn is a console very close to both of our hearts. It's our favourite game system of all time. Uh, so, first of all, it just gave us the opportunity to talk about the system, delve into the history of it, learn a thing or two about it, because, you know, when we were researching these things and digging around at the various articles and pieces around in the dark corners of the web, <laughs> there was things that surprised us. Uh, and it's not just what we've learned and talking about our favourite console, but it really was just the response to it. I don't think we anticipated a response as positive as we got. And, you know, when we unfortunately had to go on hiatus for a bit, I think that was the number one question. Of, when are you going to do the Saturn year two? <laughs> uh, it was like, uh, are you going to finish the Saturn years before you go? It was like, so hard on that we're gone, doesn't it piss you off? It's the fact that we've not finished off this. It's like... <laughs> oh but so much fun doing those ones mate and yeah so we've got year zero and year one in the bag now year two will come hopefully soon but there's just so much on the play at the moment some really great stuff but uh yeah saturn years pieces do take a bit of bit of research bit for prep beforehand unlike this one where we're just basically written our five things as just just winging it basically <laughs> Which most of the times that we do, right? most of the time. <laughs> it's complete. I mean, there was an intro you did. It's like it's time for another unrehearsed, unscripted Sega Guys podcast. And I'm it. like, that's that. It's like turn on computer, write some things down, bullet points, record. There it's we like, go. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately, Saturn years we do need a bit of actual prep to do those ones. But it, year two is coming. Year two is coming. So yeah, that's that's my number five, mate. Aye, and it's it's a it's, it's a great series, as you said, mate. It's one that we've really enjoyed doing. The things that we've learned, you know, from the threads on Sega sixteen that I've been picking up. You know, there's a guy on there who was scanning, um, or not so much scanning, but he was translating articles from Japanese newspapers that had mentioned like Sega stuff, and there was just quotes in there and kind of snippets of kind of contradicted old kind of myths that you've heard through the years, and then obviously you had the Hideki Sato interview. That came out, and that was yeah. just an abs. Like that, that came out if I remember, like two days or something before we were meant to start recording. Yeah, yeah it was like <laughs> change the notes. It's like, you know, it's like so that that was again just a total like whoa. It was because like, this was like obviously the man behind the design of the system. You know, yeah. he's actually giving us information away, and that you know the the revelations that they allowed Sony to see the blueprints because they just seen Sony as a friendly neighbor up the road and just absolute madness that, that that kind of stuff transpired so you know year three obviously 96 um given the games that came out and you know the kind of 
it was the kind of the, the start of the wind down, you know, ninety six. So I mean, ninety six could, if we were to fill it out and flesh it out, could possibly run for over two episodes. I think you could possibly even I, see that one split. I definitely think though it's you know the history because you've got so much happening in the hardware space and the competitive scene and the actual story behind the console from it's still getting a commanding lead over the PlayStation in Japan to the 3D controller, uh, to Tom Kalinske leaving in 1996, to the price cuts, the bundles of the of the free games in the US, the release of the Model 2 console. There's there's an awful lot to, to, to discuss in there. And then that's before you even get to the games, which, you know, 1996, as far as I'm concerned, is quite possibly Sega's strongest year as a first party, as, as a developer full stop. I think people people always look to the Mega Drive and you know they'll refer, reference the Dreamcast, but if you look at what Sega did in 1996 in isolation and the variety and the, the quality that they were delivering at that time, yeah, 1996 is going to be extremely special. So basically what we're saying is is that we're going to have an episode on the, the system and an episode on the games. So yeah. there you go. We've just confirmed that uh, 1996 <laughs> will be two episodes. So there we go. There we we've, go. Just given, we've given ourselves more work. I was just having a thought there, mate. You know, where the, you know that old anecdote that uh, Hideki Sato was saying about uh, Kaz Hirai saying to him, "Come on, come work for us, Hideki. Don't make hardware anymore. Make make software." But all Hideki had done is make hardware. So we, <laughs> effectively, Kaz is putting him out of the job. <laughs> Hideki's like, "I don't make the games." <laughs> oh. Just trying to demote him a job here. Like, Put my P forty five. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! Right, so jumping into number four, uh, I thought I've got to have a, my, my favourite Sega on here. We've had some, we've had some great guests in my favourite Sega over the three years and forty nine previous episodes. But uh, my favourite has got to be none other than Casey. Uh, <laughs> the pleasure of having him on the show with us uh, after he was gracious enough to first of all invite us uh, numerous times, uh, and we always have a great, great laugh with Casey. He's uh, absolutely nice. brilliant. So. Spot Hopefully, you listen, Casey. Uh, you are my favourite, my favourite Sega <laughs> guest. <laughs> no, uh, that's a great choice, mate. Honestly, I mean, like again, Casey's always somebody who has come to us and kind of trusted us to do content. You know, even again, like you know, whenever Radio Sega came to us and obviously asked us to come on to the guest nights. But I mean, even again in our infancy, you know, Casey's had us on. You know, his actual guest on the Sega Lounge that was pretty early on which was quite kind of humbling as well. Then he had his back for the Sega Lounge Challenge, which was so much fun. Obviously, I know he had the Sega Lounge Challenge on the episode we were on, but then he had the kind of quiz, yeah. which was kind of like teams against each other. That was just carnage. Arnold Schwarzenegger accents going galore in that <laughs> one as well. So, um, I no, Casey's great fun, honestly. And it's great to see, you know, I know he was away on a kind of bit of his own hiatus as well. Um, and he's recently come back. He obviously, he's doing the night train stuff on Radio Sega, but the Sega Lounge is coming back. Um, so it's, it's great to see him. Um, I've, that episode is one that I can still listen back to and just chuckle straight away, like from the very off. You know, there can be some people whenever you kind of, if people aren't used to kind of obviously doing podcasts or being guests on podcasts and they kind of come on and there might be that kind of little kind of warming up period, but. Obviously, Casey's done this for that long, far longer than we've ever done it. And he just came on and it was just a natural fit. So, aye, that's a great choice. It was definitely one of my favourite shows to record as well. Just so much fun. 
Um, I think if I remember, he picked Passion from MSR as his favourite yeah, track, yeah. which, which I mean, just that in itself, as much as it being a good tune, it's just a complete kind of, you know, it's, it's half cringe, half kind of cheese at the same time. You know, it's like, <laughs> like I remember on Shark Bites, um, on the, the thread that they done for the MSR challenge um, for the Splash Wave racing, and there was somebody who had played it on emulation night with somebody who. I think their bio said they were like 18 or something and they had just them playing it for the first time and they just put up this is my time for Splash Wave Racing and my god how many of these songs are about sex <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I actually as if you think about it it's like you, you think all the, kind of the, the radio stations or the songs have all got some really quite questionable lyrics and sounds in them but the early 2000s was a great time mate yeah, I mean, it wasn't just MSR. The whole, <laughs> the whole music industry was basically songs about sex. I mean, I mean, really, that's most music, isn't it? Through <laughs> the pretty much, mate. I. <laughs> but no, uh, great, great shout, KC legend. Honestly, yeah, absolutely Love legend, KC. Um, that probably leads into number three. So yeah, KC had us on, as you say, very early. I think that was our first exposure. But uh, I've got the Radio Sega announcement when we first slotted into our into our Monday night slot, uh, way back, you know, before the hiatus, the very first time that we debuted on, on Radio Sega. And uh, I actually I actually had uh, I had my mum over and my sister, I think. I remember it was in the summer in the garden. So I was just put the announcement on my phone and uh yeah, it was, it was kind of special that because as a I I've been listening to Radio Sega since since about 2009 I think um so yeah it, it was still kind of it was surreal to go through that and get that announcement to say that we were going to be as the second guys we were going to be part of that of that show and have our own slot on there and it still is surreal to to an extent um, even though we are part of the furniture now <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's very special moment for me Aye, no, I remember that as well. Whenever, because um, if I remember when that was actually announced, uh, I think if, if I can remember back when we were in the car park at the hospital, because I think we'd just finished a, an antenatal appointment or we were going in for an antenatal appointment. And I remember I had the show on because we were told it was going to be announced that we were we were actually joining. Yeah. And I remember listening in the car uh, and like, even letting like, my wife here go, Look, look, that's our podcast. You know, it's like. <laughs> um, and I, it was it was quite surreal, you know, to hear that. And again, you know, being on Radio Sega and obviously having the kind of bombard them with requests for all these years, then to actually kind of be on there, and you know, to to to, to actually, you know, the, the logo is down down there or down there. I don't know about why I'm looking because I'm mirrored, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <they're near. laughs> Pick a side and fit it. Fit, do it in post. <laughs> I'll edit it. Stood there. <laughs> Bye. It's it's surreal. So again, you know, just big thanks to you know that Viper and, and Resident SD and all that for the kind of support that, that those guys have given us. You know, obviously in the kind of the chat and stuff like that in the Discord, the promotion that we get um, off of those guys is, is second to none. So no, that was it was a surreal moment, mate. Yeah, it really was. Look, mum, I'm on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> right, so moving up to number two, and I thought, do you know what? I've got to pick the first episode um, that we recorded, uh, not the episode itself. If you listen to it back now, it's very uh, big. Clunky. 
a bit a bit clunky. Uh, I don't have a, an external microphone for you. I've got a very cheap headset at the time. <laughs> uh, nervous as hell, but yourself, James, Mr. Sagaholic, made me feel at ease. And then, it, yeah, it wasn't long until we were just we were just back and forth talking about the the Saturn versus the Dreamcast as as originally attended. And I... yeah, we didn't know where it was going then, but uh, yeah, when I think back. Yeah, just uh, first time I'd ever done anything like it. First time I'd ever been brave enough to put my voice to something like this. So, uh, yeah, so it was a special moment, especially because, yeah, I felt so at ease. And I think you said afterwards that it just came so natural. Aye. It's, uh, I mean, it's one of those things as well. I remember, actually, I listened back to it and I actually led with that one because did. <laughs> uh, and I, I led for the first few because obviously my, my background is I, I did like a, a podcast for three years on on an Italian football team <clears throat> excuse me um so I was I was a kind of main host on that um but I always felt that whenever you led that I felt the conversation went better I don't know I just I, I felt as if me leading and bringing you in didn't fit so that's yeah. why we, we swapped it around so it's not like, you know, it's, we both acknowledge that we do this equally, you know what I mean? But I just felt that whenever I, I was kind of starting off and bringing you in, it just didn't it didn't flow as well, I thought. And I think, you know, now people are accustomed to the way it works. You come in, you've got that little thing that you do at the start, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. you know the, the such and such to your such and such. Yeah. Um, and then now I finish off with the customary Sega thing. So <laughs> you, you bring us in, I take us out. It's just, it, it works really well, mate. And I, to think that, you know, obviously we're, we're three years down the line come April that we started this. Um, and obviously we've had that kind of hiatus from January last year to the to the August. But I listening back to it, it's quite funny as well because, like, there was even though I'd done podcasts before, there was still like nerves on my side because I was getting back out there to do it. Um, and obviously there was nerves on your side. It was the first time we'd ever done something like that. And it's quite funny listening back because, like, you and I are always like, "Oh, mate, 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 mate." mate. <laughs> right? But but back then it was. And what's your thought on that? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am looking forward to doing this, James. And it's like, <laughs> and it's, so you know, it's and it's the same. I think any content creator can kind of relate to that. That if you listen back to your early stuff compared to what you're like now, you, you've got that looseness, that familiarity, that comfort. It's like a, it's like a comfy blanket now recording yeah. this. You know, it's like you're just used to doing it. Um, it's something we look forward to doing every Wednesday. So I, we could never have imagined that. Whenever we, when we first sat down and went, do you want to record the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me, actually, I was thinking earlier uh, when I was cycling home from work, from the office, um, Maximilian Dude did a, a video, must be about a year or so now ago, where he was watching his very first YouTube videos. Really? And these are, these are way back in like 2007 when he was playing, he was playing Modern Warfare on, on a, on his, on his, well, not on his stream, but making YouTube videos about modern warfare and stuff. And his, his approach is completely different. He's saying, well, I didn't, I hadn't found my voice then, but eventually, you know, you eventually you do find your voice. Yeah. It there's no set time, but you know, sometimes it takes longer, you know, but you find your voice and yeah, obviously that applies then <laughs> to, to, to the conversation and the way it went and the dynamic and all was, you know, we knew, we, we knew after recording it that it had gone well. Aye, um, that's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you listen back now, and it's it's quite different. 
So, so what's happening now is that everybody's going back and listening to that first episode now. <laughs> you just got to see how. <laughs> Let's see what that was all about. When, when I I went by my old moniker as well. The, yeah. The the Dreamcast addict. <laughs> I mean, Sega Hall can be thought of being quite cheesy as well. Although I, I did laugh because I noticed that uh, there was a guy who actually had the name before me. I didn't even know it existed. Um, but he does videos where he repairs CRTs and microwaves and doesn't really talk much about Sega. But he's he's um, he's put in his his username on Twitter the bona fide one. <laughs> so sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know you existed? Yeah. So there we, we are. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right, number number one, then, mate. Um, and this is probably going to be mirrored in your number one when we get to yours. Um, and I thought I thought that your number one would be your number one. So Aye. I thought, for me, a lot more personal. Um, for me, personal. For for me, this was a more personal one. You know, absolutely loves speaking to Peter Moore, but for me, Tom, speaking to Tom Kalinske was just still is absolutely surreal. When I think that you know that we were. We sat there and just chatted to him, and you know, if anyone sits back and listens to the to the to the podcast that we had and the interview that we had with him, just the way that we, you know, it was a very relaxed conversation. We even had him, you know, laughing, and he was just such he was just such a, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we'd seen him doing the um, the Sonic Tuesday announcement and speech and stuff. We'd seen him do all these keynotes and announcements and stuff. We'd seen all the historical footage. And then obviously we watched console wars and he was just, he's always been a larger than life guy. And to have him come onto the show and just be as friendly and as humble as he was for someone that's just so integral to the history of the company. It was just, it's still absolutely surreal and spellbound into, you know, just to, to listen to that. And, you know, I still cringe when I was talking about the, um, the the Flintstones, the Flintstones chewable, uh, morphine. <laughs> yeah, the Flintstones chewable vitamins, and accidentally said Flintstones chewable morphine that they say in the Simpsons. Uh, I mean, I, I actually I managed to to clap out, and all, all you hear when you listen back is is Flintstones chewable. But I Flintstones chewable morphine. And yeah. I remember hearing it while you were talking, but it didn't even... He didn't didn't even, bat No, nah, it didn't bother. I, I mean, I always wondered if maybe, maybe the Simpsons viewer they thought you were just taking the piss out of him. But, <laughs> but aye, Tom's, Tom's a legend. And again, I think it was, there's, there's so many things I can think back to during that kind of chat where I think what he was talking about was that him and Peter Main, I'm sure he was saying that they, they almost came to blows. And yeah. I, I you joked about how would that one have went? And they went, oh, I'd have killed him. <laughs> and it was like, and like just just little kind of casual throwaway, really relaxed kind of wee funny one liners he was hitting out with. You know, um, he was saying about how he's got his basement, his games room, with his his Virtua Fighter arcade machine, and all these kind of his Mega Drive or Genesis games and stuff like yeah. that. And you know, I jokingly said, you know, oh, well, I guess we're coming to yours for Christmas, and he's like, yeah, it's fine. Christmas with the Kalinskis, and I'm like, it's like. <laughs> We're there. You know, I'm, I'm booking the first flight. To Tom. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> it's a turkey ready. <laughs> I broke my Saturn. Yeah, and uh, I love that he, he both him and Al have expressed that they'd like they'd like to 
get on the show again if they can. So that would be wonderful if we can arrange that. Yeah, I'm working on that just now. I had spoke to Alan Tom via email. Me listening to me, I'm just getting Alan Tom by email. You know, just drop them a wee <laughs> message um, to obviously ask if they'd like to come back on together um, on camera. And I just kind of said to him, obviously, you know, it was great that you just came on as early as you did. But we've matured as a podcast. Well, our setup's different. We're on video now, um, and we'd love to get you back on to do, you know, a, a, a better version of because all as great as those interviews are. You know, um, we're doing them through Skype, and the, the, the sound quality is not as good as we would have liked it to have been. It's still good enough to listen to, but I think I would like to have them where we can actually speak to them, you know, face to face, and and kind of put something a bit better quality out there. So, yeah, um, when I spoke to them last year, um, they had said they were interested in coming back on, but they said let's do it in the new year. So, fingers crossed, I can get that. And you know, Mister Mister Brassneck here just <laughs> just casually drop CEOs some emails. You know, <laughs> that's it, mate. I mean, this this works so far. It has, you know, it's just and, and again, it, it's testament, I think, to how much these guys, you know, have a fondness for the community they were part of, even though they've long left it. Um, and I can again just want to kind of give a big shout out to to Adrian at Arcade Attack because. Yeah. It was without Adrian putting us in touch with Al. He actually went as a go-between between, between um, myself and Al Nelson. Um, and then Al agreed to come on. We had Al on first. And then I'd mentioned if Tom would like to talk to us. And then Al gave me Tom's email with permission from him. So, you know, and then speaking to Al and Tom led to getting Blake J. Harris. So we had yeah. the entire Console Wars kind of trilogy, so to speak. Yeah. which was absolutely brilliant. So if it wasn't for Adrian, you know, putting us in contact. And as I say, it's that kind of thing about, you know, never forget your roots kind of thing. You're always, you know, we're, we're not a massive podcast, but we are growing. So at some point, there may be someone up and coming who needs a hand up, who needs a bit of a kind of, a bit of help. And if we can do that for somebody, we absolutely will, because never, never forget that you were once starting from zero, you know what I mean? And as I was always taught by by someone a long time ago, a Italian football journalist when I was doing that podcast, and he, he used three words to me, and he always said, he said, pay it forward. Yeah. He always, that's one lesson, he went, pay it forward. Um, so, Adrian, thank you for that massive helping hand up, because without that, we wouldn't have been able to speak to these guys. Yeah, absolute legend, Adrian. And uh, yeah, the Arcade Attack is still one of my regular podcast that I have on rotation. Those guys are fantastic. And to be honest, they're a massive inspiration to to, to myself because their style, they're, they're, they're very similar to our own in that they're very, very much... Guys in the pub. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so that is my top five Sega guys moments. Now, if you're here just to, just to hear the games, then we're going to have a little bit of that for our listeners and viewers right now. Um, my number one will come as no surprise to anyone, but uh, we're going to count down to that. So number five was a point of uh, constant revision for me um, until I realised, well, do you know what? I don't actually have a Dreamcast game on here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so after some after some consideration, I thought, well, what's the best Dreamcast game? Um, or what's my favourite? And I settled on Shenmue Two. Um, I know the first game is a lot more groundbreaking. It was the one that broke the mold that uh, is so inspirational to the, the industry. 
the thing is with Shenmue 2 is I think it does what the first game does and then it does an awful lot more. The first game is probably still a little bit more intimate, but the second game is larger and more epic. Um, more, there's more visual fidelity in there, but it also has those very intimate moments, particularly the fourth disc is, you know, the fourth disc is literally just you walking and talking, but somehow it's one of my favorite gaming memories. Um, and then, but then you've got, you contrast that with the third disc when you've got the, 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 the exploration of the, the, the towers in Kowloon and the, the big battle on the, on the top. I see those QTEs with those fucking boards across the gaps. <laughs> And I'm swearing because it's warranted because <laughs> it got to the stage I had to get a guide on the internet and sit and look at it for the directions because I was fed up getting to the second last floor and then whoa wee <laughs> <Beep, beep>, <laughs> ah! <laughs> can we play the Japanese you know audio yeah. Yeah, away you go that's it Start again for the bottom floor. <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's, it's, as I said to you over WhatsApp, it's funny how they actually bought the boardwalk in QT segment back for Yakuza 6. <laughs> Must have known how much it was torture to people. That's how yeah, just put, put to. it back in. <laughs> but, like, you know, going around all the um, the tea houses, get trying to get the full wood and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely love it. So it's, it's, it's grand, it's epic. But it also has those intimate moments that the first one had. So yeah, for me, number five, Shenmue Two, fifth favorite Sega game of all time today. It might change tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to pick five. So I mean, these these five are probably they'll be influenced a little bit by kind of obviously historical choices and personal memories. But I think that kind of maybe last two spots might be slightly more interchangeable. I think possibly my top three are pretty much locked in. Yeah. Um yours I think your number one's a hundred percent locked in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no I think four, four and five could could change on a on a whim, depending yeah. on personal tastes at that time. <laughs> it's 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 the same from two 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 to five. <laughs> two, two to four, I think they could shuffle about a bit. And five is yeah. There's there's plenty of games fighting for that spot. But number four, we're going from Dreamcast. We are now going to the to the Master System, and uh, this one has to be on there. And that is the eight bit version of Sonic the Hedgehog on the Master System. This is the game that uh, you know Space Harrier made me think, wow, this is this is impressive on the Sega Master System when I was coming from a Commodore 64. Sonic the Hedgehog just changed my entire outlook on gaming playing it on the Master System. Uh, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. It's just an absolutely phenomenal game. The uh, the sense of speed and the physics are all there. It has a, a, a much more kind of happier vibe about it. Whereas the, <laughs> the, the the Mega Drive version is very cool, isn't it? It's got the the, the, the harder, bassier sounds and the sharper edges. And, uh, it's edgier. Yeah, the yeah. Mega Drive version is definitely edgier. Uh, yeah. The Master System version is just something about that game that I can I cannot play it and not smile it's just absolutely beautiful um first game that i ever beat so it's always going to be special for me for there the graphics are phenomenal for the master system the gameplay is phenomenal 
the music is so good that Janet Jackson had to steal it to make uh, to make Everywhere I Go. Um, just I can't sing this game's praises enough. It's the greatest eight bit game of all time in my eyes. Great choice, mate. I mean, I, I, again, I played it on the Master System later on via the EverDrive with having it on the, the Mega Drive EverDrive cartridge. But obviously, my one memory of, of 8-Bit Sonic is always the Game Gear version, yeah. you know, which is pretty much identical. So, aye, it's uh, it's funny, you know yourself, on that very first stage, if you get the speed boots and then the, the invincibility kind of cloak the wee stars, and you can just basically go absolutely mental yeah. down that weird amp. It's ding, 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 And then you go, and the screen's trying to catch up. Yeah. It's like, you can just hold right and like, the screen can't keep up with you, so you just glitch I, over the whole level. It's brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> Music's going absolutely crazy. Ding, 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 It's like, slow down. Yeah. It's, yeah. The music is such a big thing to it. It's like, you know, the... Uh, the the Doctor Robotnik theme, for example, the uh, the Mega Drive version is like, bum, 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 doo, 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 doo. Bum, bum, bum. but the um, but the uh, <laughs> the Master System version is like a like a cartoon, like like <laughs> it's like, it takes the edge off it, doesn't it? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love that stuff because it's just you know he's not this big threat. He's just uh, just some dopey bloke in a in a big flight in little flying machine. <laughs> and 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 your your first encounter with him is literally what that is because all he does is float about the top. You can just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Master System one, obviously, the increased resolution means that you have to wait until he comes down. On the Game Gear one, you can just twat him while he's while he's floating about. <laughs> That's right. It's like really. That, that was easy. Yeah. It's a ball and chain. It's like oh, no. it doesn't have one. <laughs> Why didn't I bring any sort of weapon to fight this hedgehog? <laughs> Not required. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my number four. Number three, uh Panzer Dragoon Saga for the Sun. Um Took a bit of thought, but then I was looking over my top 50 Sega games, and this was my s- top 50 Saturn games, and this was my second favourite Saturn game of all time, and I thought, yeah, you know, this is a game. There's not many RPGs that I can say that I play regularly. In fact, there's there's none. <laughs> there's no other RPG I play regularly. <laughs> I used to try and play Final Fantasy VII, but by playing Final Fantasy VII, I'd end up playing it for about five to ten hours and getting bored. Uh, by the time we got hands with you and so I got a play to the end. Uh, last time I played it, I 100%ed it, went everywhere, unlocked every piece of the map, and got an excellent rating in every single battle, which took took really took some doing because some of them are uh, tricky to say the least. And yeah, uh, when I finished it, I thought I can't wait to go back to this again. Gutted that I didn't actually find time to play it again last year. Uh, I'm hoping to do it this year. I'm actually hoping to preserve my copy back there and uh, play it on the Fenrir and um, play it at 60 hertz proper via the US version because uh, I play the PAL version at 60 hertz and these cutscenes don't sync up when you play it at 60 hertz on the PAL version. They eventually start ah, skipping, so you have right. to use the shoulder buttons to rewind them, or you can fast forward it or rewind it, can't you? Right. Aye. So then you'll get, you'll get, you go, skewed, ash, gash, 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 
Scooter, gosh. <laughs> Alright, there we go. Back to normal now. Shizuaya Rua. Taicho! Taicho! Hey, Taicho! Skidoop, gosh. I was laughing to myself the other day when I was recording footage for the um, for the demo disc episode, and uh, it's the it's the it's the, uh, it's the emperor was made me laugh in his floating chair. He's there, he's floating around. He's like, it was Craven. He's floating around, and all of a sudden he's just switched going, follow Craven. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's oh. By the way, it's a, a wee bit of a tangent talking about what you hear whenever there's Japanese, but I'm, I'm Virtua Fighter 2 on. Um, I like to put it on watch mode sometimes just because it's gorgeous just to sit and see if you're working away or something or yeah. doing an article or something like that and you, you look up and you just, just have it running. But she, Shundi, <laughs> he's got, I can't even mind what he says, right? But the last bit sounds like he goes, oh, washing your carpet. <laughs> Washing the carpet and all that. It's like an old man talking in a carpet shop. And <laughs> I can imagine washing the carpet and all that. Oh, it's absolutely howling. <laughs> it's yeah. up there with it's up there with Kellick for Soul Calibur cooking my dinner pizza today. Yeah, there's, there's some absolute gems. You know, when I first got my Sega Saturn. The, one of the things that I did was, you know, speech, clear CD speech was so brand new. I was going through and playing all the samples in the sound test. And there's some ones in there you never hear in game. There's some absolute gems in there. Been a while since I've done that. But that was that was the highlight for me, the washing the carpet and all that. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, man. I was pushing myself when I heard that. It was so funny, man. <laughs> I just heard it and I went... <laughs> He said, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, number two, Panzer's Green Saga. Um, epic, beautiful, just a masterpiece of a, of a game. And talking of epic, beautiful masterpieces, number two, Nights into Dreams. Uh, Favourite Sega Saturn game of all time, so deservedly number two. It's hard to articulate. Someone was arguing with me the other day when I put something on well, arguing. I don't argue on Twitter. If someone says something I don't agree with, I just don't don't answer them. Just can't be bothered. <laughs> You're never going to win an argument on there, so don't bother. Uh, he said, uh, "Knights Knights is not a masterpiece because it's too difficult to get into." Which I just thought, well, you know, I picked it up when back in 1990, 1996. I got it. Uh, I got it just after I got my Saturn, and obviously, I didn't go in there knowing how to play it but you know you picked it up you learned and it is quite intuitive you know the way that it moves you along um, directs you to pick up knights then the camera when you play as knights it points you towards the orbs and then you know then you walk into the idea palace it says you need 20 of them and you know it's it's a it's a masterpiece in the way that it tells you to play the game without you know without a tutorial without saying Aye, with the, you know, like you're seeing in God of War and the like, when it's telling yeah. you, don't, or something, don't, don't let them flank you and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, God. That, that new one is a travesty for that sort of stuff. You know, <laughs> it's brutal. I was like, don't worry, I won't. It's like the, the, the character you're controlling is even giving you, like, making sure yeah. that you don't let them do it. It's like, can you let go of my hand, please? Yeah. It's like, 
His Don't. horns are flashing. Shoot the horns. Shoot the horns. Now you can attack. I know what I'm doing. I know. I've played a game before. Please. <laughs> I mean, Knights was that was the exciting thing about Knights because it was like nothing you'd ever played before. Yeah. And again, I remember I got the the 3D controller pack. I mean, it was in Dixon's and Argyle Street again. Monko, no remember it was great back in the days. Man, you used to spend money with water. <laughs> <laughs> What's this new Saturn game? It was the the, the pack with a lovely wee sticker in the corner of the, the 3D controller box with Knights flying on it and took it home. And it was like obviously you'd read the previews in Sega Saturn magazine and. Like picking it up, it was. It was like you didn't know what you were doing, but the game told you without making it obnoxiously. So it just kind of yeah. gently nudges you along, and like when it all clicks and you realise that you can use the triggers to do like twirls and tricks and stuff, and then you get your links and your, you know, you can throw the kind of gates and whatnot. It's honestly, it's just and the noise as you ramp up each kind of link. You know, and it's it's just that that in itself, it's it's almost like a kind of it's like a fruit machine sort of thing. Isn't it? yeah. It's like it's like a gamble. It is a well, keep going. Keep, you're going to get another one, and it's aye, it's just a, a beautiful piece of software. Um, there's been nothing nothing like it since. Nothing no. like it at all. No, and the, the thing with it is that yeah, it's it gently guides you into what you're meant to be doing, and but then. As intimidating as it can be at the start, basically it just hides the fact that it really is just a very, for me it's the pinnacle of the old school arcade game, because it's ultimately, when you break it all the way down, it is a score attack game. Um, much like we know your number one game will be, which is all based on time, <laughs> Nights into Dreams is all based on score, and that's why Sega, you know, in that period, were the arcade kings. Even in even in games that were at the home, which is Nights into Dreams, and a lot of the magic for Nights into Dreams for me also is, you know, the the beginning, the intros, and the endings, and the way that you know the story unfolds as you get progressively better ranks. For me, it's just just so perfect, and I know you can whiz through it and get A ranks and everything in probably about an hour these days. Um, probably less and see everything that it's got but those first moments when you're trying to understand how the game works and then when you're unfurling the story and it's cheesy it's cheesy you know stuff 90s cgi but it's it's just so magical and i think um Ashima called it his et and i think that's absolutely correct um worst thing they did was make journey of dreams which is just a shadow of nights into dreams um and that one is that one does have tutorials because it's got a flying owl that goes around and goes "Ooh, knights did you know that you can press a to do a boost and you collect these blue balls they're called idia and you collect one it goes now you need to put that in the and it's like this is not what knights is about that is not what knights is about no so, that's just dominant down yeah and that's it's we'll never see another one like it mate never see no. another one like it no I think the combination of it being short um, and very, very niche, I think, and, and something that a lot of people have been talking about just now on Twitter as well as even John Lineman touched on it as well, that Hi-Fi Rush is being lambasted for being only six hours long. Yeah. And it's like, but why are we, why are we rushing towards the need for these drawn-out, massive open-world or even pseudo-open-world side quest-ridden cutscene filled monstrosities it's like, like I think like, like Gears of War and the like they could, that kind of got the balance right there was cutscenes that led the story along 
but the kind of the core gameplay was always there. Yeah. But I think now the the kind of third person over the shoulder, you know, run gun cover shoot kind of thing, whether it's with a bow and arrow or a gun or a chainsaw or whatever, it's it's kind of been overdone. It's almost being used now as a kind of a linear vehicle to trigger a cutscene. Yeah. It's like I, I look back at like whenever I played Assassin's Creed Origins and I sank almost seventy hours into that. And that was doing side quests. Yeah. Like but by, by the time I took down the the last two or the, the what were they called? Phylax or Phylakis, or what the fuck you pronounce it? Um uh, Phylakis. Aye, that was it. P H L A K E S, whatever they pronounce it. But um the last two of them now earlier in the game they kill you the minute they see you because you're so weak. But I'd done that many side quests that like, Bayek couldn't get any higher in level. So like, these were the last two that were meant to be the, the most fearsome and I just walked up went, Poof! and I was like... <laughs> and it's yeah. like, I think it's... I'd seen... like I'd spent more time doing side quests in the kind of main mission. And I just think... Like, slagging off games that are short and give you that kind of quick hit experience, I think it's really fair. Like, Hi-Fi Rush actually is the first game that's actually made me wish I had an X or an S because I really want to play it because... Oh, it's exceptional. That, it's fantastic. I, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It look, I mean, it's like a Saturday morning cartoon come to life. Yeah. You know, it looks beautiful. It is. But, but you know, it's only six hours. Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, like, God of War was 30-odd hours that I spent. God of War Ragnarok. And, you, and so was Last of Us 2 was over 30 hours. And you, I felt that. I felt the length and it just felt padded and unnecessary. And it's just, just give me, yeah, like you said, Gears of War got that right. Um, I don't need things to be more than seven, eight hours long. Uh, it's just, you know, there's other games to play for that. The, the linear corridor, for, you know, probably a bit of a disservice to call God of War Ragnarok linear corridor because there is a bit a lot of explanation in that. But those sort of games, they just. They don't have the gameplay loop to bring you in. I mean, I've probably sunk more hours into nights in nights into dreams because I keep going back to it over and over again. Exactly, and I think that's the thing with these kind of score attack or time attack style games, arcade style games, is that that's what they're meant to do. They've got a gameplay mechanic hook that makes you want to come back. It triggers that addictiveness, you know. Yeah. It, it, it triggers something, but <clears throat> excuse me, what you said there. These kind of really long, padded out, bloated, story-driven games—you do it. It's like you actually find that you're you're playing them, but you're kind of progressing on because you have to, not because you want to. You'll have done it yourself. You're sitting there going, "Oh, right, next checkpoints up here, or next kind of side quest here. I'll get to this bit and then I'll save it." Or you trigger a cutscene and you know. You need to go it, but you've not saved it soon enough before the cutscene. But if you leak, you need to see the cutscene to get the story, so you can get the save point after it. It's just ah, oh. yeah. I mean, there there are exceptions. Panzer Dragoon Saga, twenty hours, twenty odd hours long. Perfect Wonderful. length. Yeah, um, I've sunk thirty hours into Elden Ring, and that really is a game that, and it's because it doesn't hold your hand; it doesn't fail you. It's literally here is the world. Off you go. You're gonna you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna die a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so walking at the front door in the morning yeah. to just just pick what you want to do just go and do it but yeah you know? it's, we need more unique experiences like nights uh, yep. we need more short experiences need more games like Hi-Fi Rush um, but yeah six hours one hour one hour is perfect because obviously my number one 
everybody knows it's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, in my head, it's pretty much the perfect video game. You know, it's fast, it's fun, endlessly replayable. I actually found it really challenging when I was a kid. Um, I, pl I play it at least once every single year. I played it twice this year. I played it on the Sonic Origins collection, and I played it. I think I played a ROM hack for the long version on the on the on the EverDrive as well. Um, but yeah, I, I could go on about this game forever. But the perfect follow-up to Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, the music's amazing. The graphics still look great. You know, I still love that Sonic sprite in more in Sonic 2 than you know the revision in Sonic 3. You know, there's I don't think there's been a better Sonic game. And Sonic is one of the greatest franchises of all time. No matter what's happened with his latter 3D stuff and how people view that, you can't deny the impact of the first game and especially the second and the historical significance of it all as well. You know, the hype around it, the fact they actually modernized, you know, brought how we well, before digital, but how games became global events. It's just an extremely magical game. So yeah, I could talk about this one for days, but uh, yeah. No surprises, Sonic the Hedgehog, number one. No surprise, I mean, I think both of our number ones aren't going to come as a surprise, <laughs> but um, aye, it's, it's a game that speaks itself. You know, we spoke to, to Tom and Al about, you know, the, the impact of Sonic Tuesday, you know, that kind of first ever kind of, I know it kind of, the people that like to kind of correct you go, well, actually, it was out in Japan a couple of days before, yeah. but, you know, it, it's still, if you look at the way kind of like game console launches had been at that point, there was always a significant delay between Japan and the West. So mm -hmm. to only have a day or two <laughs> yeah. and then it comes out everywhere else, it was just madness. And again, Sega kind of setting the standards for yeah. things to come. So, yeah, that's that's my top five, mate. Um, so what we'll do is we'll take a, the usual musical interlude. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to go, first of all, with my pick of music uh, and my pick, which is I think is probably my favourite piece of Sega music, is Door to Summer from Chaotix on the 32X. <laughs>
that was the amazing Daughter Summer from Chaotix on the 32X. Now, just before the break, you listened to me witter on about my top five games and top five Sega guys moments. But now, James, it's over to you, mate. Time to regale us. First of all, you in the top five Sega guys moments in this 50th episode extravaganza. Yep. So I am going to kick things off. My number five is reaching 50 episodes, mate. (laughs) Now, it might sound like a strange one to start off with, but we're coming back midway through. And, you know, it's just kind of wanted to take that opportunity to not only, you know, acknowledge the fact that we've hit 50 episodes and, you know, looking back at the variety of topics that we've covered, the interviews we've had, the people from the community that we've had on, you know, but just to kind of basically thank everybody for, you know, the support from the start you know, um, the support and the kind of clamouring from certain people with a a kind of handful of core listeners who had never given up on us coming back um, and they've kind of pushed us on as well whenever we have come back. So I just wanted to kind of thank everybody for, you know, believing in us and supporting us and continuing to push us on to make better content. Here's to the next 50. Absolutely, mate. And uh, yeah, the the audience has been amazing, our, our listeners, our viewers. But, you know, even before we were on on YouTube and doing it with the cameras on now, um, when we were on hiatus, I think the thing that really dragged us back, I mean, we loved doing it. And it was unfortunate at the time we were both, both had a lot of external pressures outside of the show, lots of real life. But I think the thing that really drove us on, aside from our love for doing it and the fact that we always had so much fun doing this, was... <laughs> The, the the you guys you listeners um there was so many people saying are you going to come back i'd love for you guys to come back and you were off twitter at the time so you know, people would dm me saying how's james doing you know <laughs> do you hear from him i still whatsapp him every single day <laughs> uh how's james doing oh, is he coming back we'd love to love for him to come back you know you guys should come back and then yeah that was it really is just no I mean, and you mentioned daydream for you know a lot of people have been fantastic and you know whether they've been guests you know we've had some great guests brilliant brilliant my favorite sega guests as i said we've had you know some some good friends on here we've said some some people from the community that have you know added their voice their weight behind the show so yeah the the i don't think we ever imagined that we'd get here 50 episodes get this big back when you know we were just thinking of writing a, a single page blog post. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to get here, mate. Aye, and obviously, you know, people you've mentioned about pushing us on as well, and I'm going to give him a plug, and he'll probably <clears throat> mention it whenever he hears it. He likes to hear his name mentioned, but I think he deserves it because he's he's been a big part of the kind of rebrand as well. You know where I'm going? Yeah. It's it's this it's the swear machine. I know I've had a, I've had a couple myself, but I'll tell you something, mate. You know, <laughs> Jason Madison, play Sushi UK, the man, the myth, the legend. Honestly, one of the most hilarious, my favourite Sega's ever. Um, caused me an hour of editing alone, cutting out twenty nine curse words. <laughs> But um, again, somebody who I've kind of become good friends with is you know away from Twitter, away from the pod as well, and he was kind enough to design a lovely new logo, which I think I think the whole kind of appearance of the pod. Whenever we came back, we said whenever we come back, we want to kind of do it properly, sort of thing. So the rebrand, the logo is a lot more professional. Jason does that kind of stuff as well. You know, he's he's, he's qualified to do that. It shows. So I just again a big thank you to him for 
for kind of supporting us as well. He's been one of the kind of the bigger kind of Twitter guys that's kind of pushed us on and, and kind of been a, a part of that kind of comeback as well. Right, number four, mate. Number four is something that at this point in time hasn't actually happened, but it's something that would not have been happening had it not been for the growth of the show over the last kind of 50 episodes. So um, attending OLL 23 in April, um, you know, there we go. Ryan. There we are. <laughs> yep, we're going to going to Dan's gaff, you know, as well. It will also be the the first time that you and I, after doing this through camera, will actually meet yep. as well. And I've looked forward to that and sharing a beer and actually having a, a chat in the pump for for real <laughs> without a set of headphones on today. Exactly. You know? um, but again, the OLL twenty three account put out kind of like a guest list earlier, and it was quite surreal to see our logo on there alongside all these other kind of content creators. Quite mad to see that. So again, that's just something that would never have happened without, you know, obviously the content that we've put out, the push that we've had for the community, the backing we've had from Radio Sega, that kind of thing. So I that was just something that when I seen that today, I thought, wow, that's quite crazy to see our name alongside the likes of like, you know, Adam Corlick and, you know, Retro Faith and, you know. Games you loved, you know. Uh, aye, like, you, know. you know. But those guys, I've been following them since I first joined Twitter. God, those up years and years ago. You know, and, you just, know it's always been, so here we are, just just, just a couple of blokes that, that love talking about Sega. And, you know. <laughs> Us crazy. being on there is, is, is pretty, pretty crazy. You, know, you can miss it's, the Sega guys. We're just a couple of blokes, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like just, just a couple of guys that talk about Sega, you know. It's like because like, like well, we don't have like a, a like Andy Mackey. God love him, right? He said to me, "Are you going to be selling any merchandise?" So he, I'd buy a Sega guy's T-shirt. I'm like Andy, mate. That's so awesome that you would say that, but. We, we don't have merchandise, we're just, we're just two blocks, man, it's like, you know, we're, we're, not, we're, we're not going to turn up with business cards and, you know, flyers and stuff like that, if like, you know, might have a t-shirt with Sega guys on it that people might clock it, but, uh, but it's not going to be like these kind of like Metallica hoodies with the, the dates lifted <laughs> in the back, <laughs> the two of dates, yeah. <laughs> so, um, no. It's, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to coming down and actually, obviously, seeing yourself, mate, and actually yeah. meeting in person. It's going to be brilliant. So, I just that's my, my number four. There's something that's about to happen, but it wouldn't have happened without everything that's come before it. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic weekend, obviously, you coming down here. And then I think there's such a great agenda down at that uh, at the event. It's going to be in, in, incredible. Lots of fun. I haven't been to too many of them. Um, so, yeah, fantastic to you know, fantastic to get the tickets in the first place. It was something that we, I think we were both talking about paying to go there, but uh, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Because like, because we're guests as content creators as well, it was um, John uh, OLL had sorted us out with those tickets as well to come down. So I know we're not going to both days. We're only going on the Saturday. I'm flying back up to Glasgow on the Sunday afternoon, but I know Dean from Sega Power has already said he's going to be there. So he said, make sure you come to the after party on the Saturday night and, We'll have a couple of beers, and I'm like, "Oh my god, man! <laughs> I I haven't drank in God knows how long, so <laughs> I'll be taking it easy. I'm not wanting to be disgraced on Twitter or something. Oh. There's a cigarholic vomiting in the corner. 
typical Scottish lout. <laughs> Bring a bottle of butt fast with you. Mate, I've never tried that. Although Have you not? Like, no, Jesus. <laughs> mate, I, I've got mates that have drank that and I've watched them turn into nutcases in front of me. <laughs> it's just, like, it's, it's character changing. It's like... Just normal, quiet people, like, half a bottle of that later, man, they're absolute psychopaths, it's like, don't know what these monks were doing when they were stamping on these grapes, but, <laughs> you know, the tonic wine makes you feel fine, I'll just stick to my own brew, thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering whether that was a cider earlier, cider or iron brew, I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. We don't we don't drink wee bottles here either. It's like we've got where's your juice? <laughs> Two liter bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Stewie will be sitting going like that right now. Well it's like obviously we're going off on a tangent here, but as you know, I was a little worse for wear the other weekend. I just had my operation and I went out drinking on the I did go out drinking. I went out for a meal and um I had five pints, which people say that's quite a lot. I think, well, no, not for, not for me. Not which makes me sound like an absolute raving alky. <laughs> not for me. Make five things <laughs> under the table, man. <laughs> I was I was drinking loads over Christmas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't even that drunk. But then I woke up in the morning. I was absolutely sick of the dog and found out that I probably shouldn't have been drinking so soon after my operation of being under anaesthetic. So I was absolutely sick of the dog. Because I told you, and you was like, get some iron brew in your. And uh, one of those, one of those big bottles later, I was uh, considerably better off. I mean, that's the thing they've changed it, like because like, like legislation about sugar tax and all this kind of stuff. So it's uh, they've stripped like a lot of the sugar out of it. Like the the wee bit in the side that used to be you know, the kind of the typical energies and calorie amounts and all that. The bit for sugars used to be red, <laughs> <laughs> which is. Why we're all high as a kite up here, right? But it's it's, it's amber now because of reduced the amount of sugar in it. So <laughs> there you go. So see if you did a full bottle of that of the old stuff, mate, you'd have been on the ceiling. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think when you're hungover, it's like your body's like sugar, sugar. <laughs> it gets one of those like wee, <laughs> like like Sonic and the eight battle for that. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blowing! No. Oh, wait. Right. So your your number three, in your top five Sega mo- Sega guys moments. So number three, mate, is the move to YouTube. Yeah, I think it's it's come as a very natural progression. Um, obviously, the first time we've done it, sitting on camera, it was quite kind of like, you know, because you, you're like, I can see you now. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but um, again. Much like the kind of audio version, um, there wasn't any nerves. Obviously, doing things of maybe a wee bit kind of kind of like eye contact and stuff, make sure that you're no sitting doing all this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk, you know, talk to talk to the plant that Andy Mackey likes yeah. to point out that I've got. You know, you've got games and I've got a plastic plant. Yeah, but, you can't um, be over here with your finger up your nose like that. Uh, exactly, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I just think it's it's a, a natural progression. Zencaster obviously has that ability built in where you can do an audio and video recording at once. So it wasn't as if it was kind of deviating away from doing the podcast as it originally was, which was an audio show. It's just an extension of it. So 
you know, we get the audio versions out at six on Radio Sega, and then we get our versions out at eight PM, the video version on YouTube the same night. So, you know, it's it's worked out really well. We've started doing the shorts. Um, I did the Sega Alley one, which was really successful. The the Star one you've done has been really successful. It's way over three hundred odd views now as well. Um, and then the Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter one that you've done recently is is going great guns, well over a hundred odd views within less than two days or something so yeah. it's it's all going really well the the short content i think is kind of vital to, to grow in the channel in between because the podcast well it has got its kind of core fan base like youtube by its nature requires i think there's a lot of people who are on commutes who are on the lunch breaks who you know maybe want to kind of jump in and out and have quick hit content and i think having these short videos 10 15 minutes 20 minutes or something is, is perfect because the, the main pod comes out every second week so that little kind of filler in between is absolutely ideal when it's went down great so aye it's, it's been a natural progression um, again we've got about 335 subscribers or something already we've only had like 11 or 12 videos out yeah. so it's it's going great guns and I think it's it's a perfect complement to the podcast I think it's just, it's just helped it you know grow it out a bit more yeah it's been the perfect as you say the natural progression and I think I think that first recording actually went really well. And I think the reason why I say that, and not patting ourselves on the back or anything, but the thing that I think back to and laugh about in my head is we we sat down and was like, right, this is going to be the very first one. And I, I can't recall if I say on there, welcome viewers to the first video. I don't think I'm that, I'm that um, you know, I make it that obvious that it's our first video. But the reason I say that is because we recorded our first video and then we recorded the Mega Drive mini video and then Radio Sagan said, that needs to go over here. So then our actual, our actual first video recording actually got pushed back another episode because I think of the World Cup. So our first right. actual video recorded video is actually the third one on YouTube. <laughs> I even, if I'm laughing as well, I'm not sure if it's, this is the thing, I can't remember what ones I got written and what dates because it's like, I don't know if the one that went out I guess it was a it was a what was it a four megabyte RAM cartridge? Was it the four megabyte RAM cartridge last time? Uh, last time, I think it was a four megabyte RAM cartridge one. Because I shoot on that, we mentioned that it's going to be like this one's going out in February, but it didn't come <laughs> out at the end of January it's, again because everything just gets kind of reshuffled. But that that just goes to show you we're always always working on things in the background. Um, Everything's subject to change. As we said, the Peter Moore episodes that that literally came out of nowhere that, you know, Peter had started following and, you know, myself in the podcast, I just DM'd him. You know, it came off of the fact that I'd put out a tweet teasing that we were going to have Tom Charmick on from Dreamcast Junkyards and I put a picture of my Dreamcast t-shirt and I said, airing this t-shirt for the first time in preparation for speaking to tonight's special guest and it applies oh, did you get at Peter Moore LFC? And I replied and said, sadly, no. I've tried to reach Peter in the past for some PR, but couldn't get through to him. Uh, we'd love to have him on. Next day, Peter follows us, you know, and got in touch, exchanged emails, and then he came on within, like, days. So that all just came out really, really quick. So because of that, the Amiga on the Mega Drive episode, which was four weeks ago. We recorded that before Christmas, didn't we? I think so, I. <laughs> Mate, it's not going to get to like February. Where will it be? Peter Moore six. 
This will be the 20th. It's I'll be March. To March. That's not going to March, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just the way it is. Just, we're, we're, we're always trying to keep ahead. We're always trying, we've got loads of ideas. We like to just keep everything kind of fresh, ticking over. Um, and, and give ourselves that kind of buffer for content-wise. So, aye, yeah. the move to YouTube's been great. I've really enjoyed it. I think it kind of helps as well, the fact that you kind of... I think the conversation, while it went great as an audio podcast, like the fact you can see each other's reactions yeah. makes it even funnier. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we've got, got some brilliant outtakes on there. <laughs> Andy Crane! <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, the reshuffling... As I say, the, 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 the fact that I don't think you even noticed that that's our first episode, it all plays in quite, it all flows quite well. But I think the other thing about, you know, the move to YouTube is we had the Mega Drive mini episode. And then we had our first follow-up non-podcast episode, which also did really well as well. So, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it's gone much better than I think any either of us for, actually thought it would. And that Sega Rally video did uh, outrageous numbers for us. For a first time, so it's been Aye. it's been incredible. So again, thank you, thank you, viewers, for that one. Thank you. But I mean, number two for you, mate, and this is the one that I had, <laughs> I had as my number five. But uh, yeah, one I of think us was we'll, going to pick it. I well, we'll both have a lot to say on this. Um, you know, the the twenty twenty two return. I think. We kind of touched on it a wee bit earlier. I talked about Jason and the new logo and stuff like that and the rebrand, and I think it's probably more apt in this part. But as you said before, mate, we had both kept in touch after you know the, the pod finished. We both missed it, and it was a case of we felt there was enough of a kind of a demand in the community to come back. Um, and again, I remember making that launch trailer up, you know, yeah. which we, we, we had under wraps, and I think it was. It was intentionally hilariously over the top and dramatic. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, the fact that you, know, you spin round and with a stunner, and <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting playing Sega Alley and go, you know, it's like just a bit, a bit of kind of comedy cheese value in there. But it was fun and it was, it was exciting to do that, um, just to kind of put it out there and say we were coming back. But, you know, also on a kind of personal level, for me to come back as well. Um, you know, Twitter hadn't been a great place for me leading up to the kind of the, the the hiatus that we took. Um, so obviously I had to kind of come back and, you know, rebuild myself back up and I'd started from literally zero again because I'd deactivated my Twitter. So it took a lot for me to come back and to face in, obviously, to the community as well. But, you know, it's... As I said, I think it's if you put your face out there, you know, it's it's more personable. I think if you can put a face to someone that you're watching and listening to, it, it makes them more relatable. But there's also that kind of wee bit of kind of vulnerability there on your part as yeah. well, because you're, you're kind of out there. But, you know, it's, I think, for your content to be kind of like taken seriously, and for you to be taken seriously, like if, you, if you've put yourself out there, then it kind of helps. So the, the return was just that kind of ties into that kind of natural progression to YouTube as well. So I just, it was great to come back, great to see the reaction whenever we announced the trailer to see we were coming back. Um, the excitement that built up, first question was, when's the Saturn years getting done? <laughs> like, 
Let's get our feet back under the table first, please. Uh, it's like, we've <laughs> been back two minutes, man. Like, come on. <laughs> it's like, it's coming. <laughs> um, but I, it was just, it was really exciting to come back. And I think what we did, the best thing we did, I think a lot of the, the what led to the kind of the heights in the first place, the kind of work-life balance sort of thing. And the fact that I was always cancelling short notice in you, you were kind of cancelling short notice in me, me more so to you, to be fair. Um, and I think the fact that we nailed down, right, we're going to record on a Wednesday at nine o'clock, and even though we've got a show going out every second Wednesday, we will record every Wednesday. So for every two shows going out, we record four, and it's it's what wonders, mate. It really has. Oh, let, let us have a nice rest over Christmas. <laughs> exactly. We took six weeks off. <laughs> the, the content kept on coming. We were sitting with ah, magic. <laughs> exactly. Sitting there digging into your turkey, wow. yeah. That's content, get it? But I mean, yeah. but yeah, the, 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 I think we we enjoyed that that whole period before we announced it. Where we we milked that, we milked that with the um, yeah. I'll throw this old thing on the day Aye. before we announced the new logo, yeah. and yeah, <clears throat> some of the responses on that were just just so warm and just think so, just brings Aye. a smile to our face. It's just. Uh, yeah, again, viewers, listeners, just you guys just made it all the more special. Um, so, yeah, it was it was amazing, mate. That's why it was on mine, you know, the, the build-up to it and then us coming back. And it does feel like we really have some momentum behind us now, which is a fantastic feeling. Aye, it really does. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing as well that everybody says that, you know, you try to grow your content, they call it like a grind. You know, you've got to grind. And and you do, and you know sometimes I think we've spoken and joked about before the fact that like sometimes you know you feel like I go three hundred mile an hour. You know it's like um, I'm always go go go, and it's like um, sometimes it can be a bit. <laughs> Fuck off, James! It's like it's a hang me. I'm not going to run through to your your room at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Dan, I've got an idea for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> the other week when I'd bust my tyre I'd five kilometres away from my house I was cycling home like right, James while I'm here here's the notes for the uh, for the I won't say what episode it is because it'll be coming later but it's like, here's the notes for the episode yeah no, I've got a better idea let's do that <sighs> well I've got nothing else to do on this long walk home so I might as well write up the notes for this episode <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, cursing me the whole way. <laughs> we're pissing we're down. Bu- we're a bus biker, one shooter, <laughs> the phone, the other thing. Just walking out, walking it along. I was like, yeah. I was like, no, I think we should do um, buying a Sega Saturn. I like, I've got nothing typed up, but I've got nothing else to do. So I'm walking home, phone in one hand, bike hand, bike in the other. You know, it's pissing down with rain, so I'd like write three letters and have to wipe it down. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, honestly, like, man. Got, got in, I've got, I've looked at what I've got, I was t- I just texted you, and like, fuck it, let's do this. <laughs> and all, it's all because, all because somebody had started talking to us earlier in the day, asking for advice and buying a sound. I'm like, Dan, let me change it. <laughs> 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 you know, but 
just to kind of go back to the, but there's no point is it doesn't feel like a grind um, and and it does I mean it does sometimes feel like like I do personally invest maybe like my, my wife gives me trouble because I'm kind of invested in it kind of quite a lot but I just want to kind of push us on to try and be you know the absolute best that we can and I think you know the ideas we've got where we want to kind of go with the pod as well like is the fact that neither of us find it a chore it's yeah. it's, it's so much fun but I if, if you want to get somewhere you need to put the work in but we are more than prepared to do that um just because we absolutely love doing it we love the people we've got backing us we love everybody who supports us nothing any backing we get is never taken for granted you know yeah. we know we know that you're only as good as your last show <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> you know you've got to keep you've got to keep improving keep evolving so i watch this space plenty to come plenty to come but uh mate i don't think it comes too much bigger than than your number one <laughs> mentioned it literally a couple of minutes ago number one is last last show which is peter moore I have watched this episode back several times and it's still... not live at the top point of recording this. It's not actually live yet. No, it's not live <laughs> at the point of recording. Actually, it's so recording this on Wednesday. It doesn't go until Monday. But by the time you listen to this, it will have been the last show. And this is what we mean about <laughs> Again, you've got me doing this whole minority report, Doctor Strange kind of hang with me. <laughs> But aye, um, crazy how it came about, crazy how quickly it came about, that while we were kind of talking away to Peter, it was like, you get sucked into the conversation, you get sucked into listening to him, and he's so engaging, and, you know, uh, what uh, what was remarkable, I think, was how relaxed he was. I mean, we, we had a great bit of banter before we actually, we, as soon as Peter came on the call, because he, he only had an hour, um, and he'd made us aware that he had a really... Well, he, told us, he told us he only had 45 minutes. Yeah, uh, aye, exactly. I've got a hard stop at two. Um, his time, which was 10-hour time. And I thought, right, let's just get as much as we can. We'll, we'll do an intro and an outro later. We'll go straight in and start recording. Um, had a wee bit of football banter with him, but a Rangers-Liverpool banter <laughs> with him, which was great. Um, and then I'd asked him, you know, about. I think he actually says, "Can we do?" I can't mean to assist him, but can yeah, we do the a be promo for us? In fact, I says, "I can do a be promo then for us." So I says, "Peter Moore, you know, you listen to the Sega guys." And he went, "I'll do my best, but I'm not quite sure I can get the Moore." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's just he's just ripped my accent, and I'm like, I've I've only been talking to this guy for thirty seconds, but I thought that it was brilliant straight from the off. He was relaxed, he was laid back, he was getting involved in the banter as well and the chat just went better than either of us could have imagined it did um, by the end I felt like I, I was watching the clock and it got to like 21.57 and I'm going oh my god we're still speaking and he's, he's got a hard stop at you know to his time and what if he has to just suddenly stop and I actually felt as if we chased him <laughs> you know, but you know, it, it, the show just came to a nice, natural close. Didn't feel rushed at all. I didn't feel as if Peter felt like he was getting fed up or he'd kind of or just wrap this up, guys. I've got to be somewhere. He was just, he was so gracious um, and great to speak to. Um, just surreal, absolutely. I see, I see someone who 
I've stayed up late to watch Xbox E3s with this man on stage. Like, I watched this guy unveil the Xbox 360 with Jay Allard and, and Robbie back, and I'm sitting in my kitchen <laughs> on, a, on a podcast talking to him while he's yeah. in Santa Barbara, California. So it was surreal. The biggest guest we've had, I think we would probably struggle to top that in terms of industry kind of figures, yeah. you know. Um, so I amazing, amazing to, to speak to him. Um, just again, he's obviously... He's, he's kind of known in the Sega world for taking over from Bernie Stoller and helping to kind of get the Dreamcast launched in America. But I think he's probably more synonymous because we were in our 20s whenever the 360 came out. And that's one of my favourite consoles ever, the 360. Yeah, it had a massive, well. Im- massive impact in my life as well. So to speak to the man who led Xbox for the first three years of the 360, I think Xbox got poorer in the 360 era once Peter left. Absolutely. Um, I've always had that opinion, but I just my my absolute favourite just the fact that you know again sitting there talking away he's um it's twenty two degrees Celsius here and I'm like, oh I'm a bit pale I've got filters on here and he's like you need some makeup and just he, yeah. he's, he's just throwing jokes and everything and I just loved how well it went it couldn't have went any better as far as I'm concerned so. Um, I don't know if you'll ever listen to this or watch this, but you know, Peter, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking we might just snip a bit of that and send it to him, but uh, I was just thinking, you know, he's got he's got a bit of an American twang now, isn't he? Even though he's he's a Liverpool guy, but uh, that thing, you know, when he's going here in Santa Barbara, is how can I not be fine? And he's just thinking, you know, he's been lived in America for so long, he's been over there since you know his 20s, but you know. He's English, he's British, he comes on here and we talk about the weather, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, if we'd flung something a bit queuing in there, then it have been the, you know. How's your weather? Nah, it's a bit shit. I had to queue for 20 minutes to die in Safeway. <laughs> it's like, you know, just this typical kind of British kind of general chit chat, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and it- yeah, and it really was surreal that you think you're talking to this guy that has changed the industry and led, you know, some of the biggest, most, you know, important businesses in the entire industry at times that were critical for them and that they're fondly remembered for is just sitting here talking about, you know, having a bit of back and forth, just talking like we're a, we're a bunch of guys on the bus or something, you know, in Aye. the pub. It's, this uh, is, this is a man, this is a man who went and stood in the face of Steve Barmer and told them how much it was going to cost to, you know, send out a box to 360 customers, take their console back, fix it, and ship it back to them next day delivery. It was like an $11 billion problem or something like that, yeah. they called it. And he had, this is like, this guy stood in front of Steve Barber and made these decisions, and he's sitting talking to us in this podcast. He's just, I mean, he's literally responsible for some of the biggest industry-changing decisions. And yeah. And he came on here, and there was no airs and graces about him at all. It was just absolutely, I, I loved it. It was yeah. brilliant. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> when it wrapped up, and he was like, see you guys. And then he went, and we went, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, he hung up, and we made sure that he hung up, and the two just went, <laughs> it was like, it was so good, but honestly, oh. Oh, superb, superb, yeah. So, yeah, number one for you. Uh, as I say, Tom, Tom, Tom is up there for me, um, roughly equal. Uh, but between the two of them, that's in 50 episodes, 
just uh, just under three years. That's a that's a hell of a couple, I guess, among some very good guests from whether it's been within the community or from the industry, some titans in the industry. It's something you need to really just reflect on, and I think yeah, I'm just extremely proud of of what we've what we've done, mate. Aye, proud and very thankful. You know that there's the, the shows that can go for you know far more than than fifty shows, and and never see that kind of caliber of guest as well. But the thing that I think sets us apart in a way is the fact that we don't change who we are for who comes on. Yeah, you know, it's like it's just us. It's just we just I mean we're pretty kind of set in our ways. You know, we're, we're well. I'm approaching middle age. You're no far behind me. You you. You'll catch me soon, mate. I'm not far behind us, so. Uh, but I think it's just the fact that people come on, whether it's guests in the community, you know, Tom, Al, Blake J. Harris, Peter Moore have come on and just chatted away and had a bit of fun. And that, that's what we're about, yeah. fun. You know, that's, you know. This stuff's, this stuff's here, and when we discuss it, we're talking about the good times, we're talking about what we've enjoyed. And that's what, you know, even Peter, even when talking about the PS2 and the, and the FUD, there was a smile on his face because it was industry banter uh, in in his eyes. I think I, I can't recall exactly how he put it, but it was something to that effect. Aye, aye, that's right. He said it was like the, the story that he told as well about you know the the hijacked like one of Sony's golfing events and <laughs> yeah. re- replaced all the balls with golf balls with Sega logos and flew a plane overhead poking <laughs> fun at them. Yeah. You know, it's like. Just funny stories like that, which kind of went back in a wee bit and tied into that kind of mentality Tom talked about whenever, you know, um, I think whenever it was it Steve Race burst the kind of sonic yeah. balloons and stuff like that. So there's always been that kind of wee bit of <laughs> playful, childish needle between Sony yeah. and, and Sega, whereas it's all very serious now. Isn't it? It's, you know, FCA and Activision deals and, oh, God, boring stuff. Just find some golf balls at them. Exactly, mate. <laughs> right. That's us. That's your top five Sega guys moments. Top five Sega games, mate. So what you got at number five? Number five, well, you mentioned it when you talked about one of yours. I've went with Shenmue. Um, I think the word you used earlier was intimate, and I think that sums it up. I think it's, again, it's a game very intrinsically tied to the whole kind of CA games time my best mate Sam used to go those walks as I've said up to CA games to see the latest games that came in for Japan we just so happened to time it the delivery came in with Shenmue in it Charlie loads it up we're watching the the, the intro whenever Landy kills you know Hazuki Senior and you know at that time you'd never seen anything like this and we just stood there like well what is this <laughs> game like that's not a cutscene that's in-game engine stuff you're watching the eyes of Landy's he scans his scene the clothes crumpling as he walks you know everything about it was just mind-blowing um and again whenever you finally get to play it the fact that you could go anywhere and do pretty much anything any door you've seen you could go in you could talk to anybody go in the arcade and play the games like <laughs> they weren't just there you could play them you know it was just the, the story the score I still think the, the music the orchestral version of the main Shenmue theme is is absolutely glorious it's yeah. beautiful the way I think we actually spoke about it in the, the episode of my favourite Sega with KC the way it 
builds up to that kind of crescendo and everything just comes together and yeah. explodes. It's beautiful. Actually gives you goosebumps talking about it. It's such a great piece of music. So I um I think just for what it did, kind of industry wise, um, in terms of storytelling, in terms of open world gaming, that level of detail. Um and I, I'm playing through Shenmue 2 just now I'm on disc three and I kinda wait to get on to disc four and kind of experience what you were talking about with that. Um but I just think the whole Shenmue one does feel very condensed. Which I think helps make it feel intimate, you know, the twenty man battle at the end of whatever yeah. this is fifth or hundred man battle. How many how many yeah, people 70. are fighting? <laughs> Seventy. Uh, yeah. And then that wee oddity man that tries to fight you all the time as <laughs> sure, well. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, washing your carpets. <laughs> you know? It feels a bit like Gollum, doesn't it? Yeah, it does look like Gollum. Well, it does. The press as well. Not good, but you've got a sore throat, James. Don't do that again. <laughs> but I, I just think, kind of historically, where it stands is a kind of gaming memory for me. Um, I just monumental game, so it had to be on the list. I mean, it had to be. I mean, you've got Shemu one and two, both occupying our top fives, each of us. And it's no surprise that out of all of my favourite segas we've done, Shemu definitely has the most nominations. The most people that said that is their favourite Sega game. So Aye. I think most people who come on and talk about Dreamcast will always pick Shenmue as the game that goes yeah. with it. You know, I just think that it's testament, I think, to the impact that it had on people who bought it at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like I said, I, I had to pick a, uh, a, a Dreamcast game for my top five when I realised I didn't have one and I defaulted to Shenmue. Went for the second one ultimately, but you know, really they're all part of the one larger story. Aye. Aye. It's, it's one big game just split into parts really, isn't it? It's... Need that fourth one. But talking about number fours, mate, what is in your fourth spot? Number four is the game that I think, you know, epitomises and characterises the Dreamcast. It's probably my favourite Dreamcast game. It's the one that I still play the most, as seen by the insane score that I put on Twitter. Um, there's people that can beat that, but I think 54,500 and 122 customers is not bad. It is, of course, Crazy Taxi! <laughs> I look at your scores, mate, and I'm just I'm just insane with jealousy. So I play it, and I get like I get about eight customers like, Yeah, what are you doing? You're nowhere near James. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so, yeah, but I come off like that, mate. <laughs> like I've got like claw hands. Um, but I, it's just, it's just such. Somebody replied to the, the tweet I put out saying, "Oh, if there's a game that needs a remake, this is that." And I said, "I, I respectfully disagree with that. I think Crazy Taxi, as a product of its time, um, it can't get any better than it is. I, I just think as it stands." It's absolutely perfect. It's it's a perfect pick up and play arcade game. It's fun. It's addictive. The, the bright colours, the graphics still look great to this day. The soundtrack is iconic. You know, you get that. Everybody was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I hate when people on Twitter reply and go, yeah, 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 because it's no yeah, it's yeah. So <laughs> it boils my piss, mate. Honestly, <laughs> it really does. But just imagine it's like. <laughs> It's like Michael McIntyre talking about like the things that English people use for saying 
they're drunk. I was absolutely trolled. It just sounds like a, it's like a posh person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't it work? Don't you know? It's like David Cameron's version. <laughs> oh, but mate, you're absolutely correct. I mean, it's, it is perfect on the Dreamcast. Nothing exemplifies that more than the fact that every single port that came after is inferior. Yes. Every single one of them. Yeah, the, the GameCube version is good. It's nowhere near as good as the Dreamcast version. The PS2 version is pants. The PC oh, version is flawed. The the mobile version is a pain in the ass. The 360 version is missing all the iconography and the soundtrack. Um, the PSP version is impressive to hold in your hand, but it's still not a patch on the Dreamcast version. The Dreamcast is the way to play it. And I think if anyone plays Crazy Taxi on anything other than a Dreamcast and thinks, do you know what, I don't know what the fuss is about, play on a, play on a Dreamcast. Aye. It's, it's a game that's intrinsically tied to its hardware. You know, that's the best way to put it. It's everything about it is just absolutely brilliant. I just think it exemplifies the system perfectly. Um, it's just, it's just so addictive. But I mean, there's a, a run can last. Like I think that one I did the other day was like an hour and fifteen minutes. It took me to play that. You know, I, so I, I sent a, a picture to you on WhatsApp. I took a picture and I dropped off. I was at thirty-three thousand, and I put a quick shot. You know, you kind of have a quick shot of Crazy Taxi if, if if you if you know the kind of mechanics in it, like limit cut all the time, crazy throughs, link your combos, drift into every stop. Don't just stop at your stop, drift into your stop because you get crazy combos for drifting. Every stop, le learn your customers. You'll start to learn he's going to the baseball stadium. Sometimes they'll catch you out. He's going to KFC. He's going to the feeler shop. You know, and actually, as you come to a stop to pick someone up. Again, drift and face the way you think they're going to go. Judge your customers because it seems you haven't to waste time turning round. So you can just take off like a shot again. It's just all these wee things and you tie them all together. And it's just, it's such a bloody good game. It's timeless. It's absolutely timeless. And again, as you said, mate, the fact that the Dreamcast is based, or the Naomi is based on the Dreamcast, you know, that they share that kind of hardware architecture, it is the perfect port the PS2 versions for the Jaggies the colour palette is horrendously dull and the handling is far too heavy the cabs feel like lead weights yeah. but as a Dreamcast man you're just wee, you're flying off like, you know if you limit cut off the edge those first three hills down to the kind of cable car stop at the bottom see if you limit cut just before it off you go you're like a shot I used to you do know, that oh, I can't madness. do that well, it's just, I love it, honestly, it's my favourite Dreamcast game, just yeah. love it. Love to see a Sega guy short for you to do it, mate, but um, I, don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be over in 10 minutes, will it? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I could record it and split it into 10 parts or something, you know, that might work. Um, I've got a, a capture card I'm, I'm going to pick up anyway, because I want to start capturing the kind of... As, as good as I can get recording with my phone in a dark room if you if somebody watches it in a 55 inch telly you know some people do watch their YouTube content in a big telly so um, it would look a bit kind of horrendous and that Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter footage that you took was was brilliant I watched it on my my big telly in the living room and it was it was spot on mate so I'm going to get a, a card and I'll probably maybe try and do like 
a, a crazy taxi, maybe tutorial, like a kind of guide how I play it and see if it helps. Because people yeah. have asked me on Twitter, how the hell are you getting that? I thought S. <laughs> I thought, I think it was it Tom said, I think S was the highest you could get. I didn't know you could actually get a crazy rank. And I'm like, <laughs> beat you on record next time. See ya. <laughs> Love it, mate. Right. What is your number three? So my number three, you'll see where I'm going with this one. It is Virtua Cop on the Saturn. <laughs> He's laughing already. Because <laughs> people are probably sitting there going, I know what the big three are going to be. <laughs> so, I number three, Virtua Cop. A game, I think, it's like the other two that are going to come after it. Probably the the highlight of the Saturn's kind of arcade ports. Well, maybe, I think Last Bronx maybe takes away for saying because Last Bronx is really impressive. But, I. Virtua Cop, I prefer it to Virtua Cop 2. I don't know why, I know Virtua Cop 2's texture maps. It's a really, really good Model 2 port on a Saturn, really good. It's got the Virgin Passes things, but again, it just goes back to, I think, the soundtrack, the way it looks, the more, they're not quite, they are flat shaded, but they're not as flat shaded as Virtua Fighter, but they have that kind of more blocky look about them. Yeah. And again, just something about the first game just resonates with me. Um, again, love the second game, but the first game's just spent so much time in that. Used to be able to one credit, clear it on standard difficulty, no bother. Like, could play it with my eyes shut. Used to love getting, like, I used to get annoyed if I didn't get the three hit combo and everybody. You know, you, you go, ooh, oh, ooh, oh, ooh, oh. <laughs> you know, and if you don't get that, sometimes you got justice hits, you shot the gun at their hand and it would annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> you get more know. points for the justice hit, though, don't you? I know, but was it satisfying? I don't know if it's maybe the Robocop in me that was kind of. Drop <laughs> <laughs> it! <laughs> Better alive, you're coming with me. But, um, aye, I just love Virtua Cop. Everything, the, the music, the, the quality of the port, you know, as, as Pandemonium's video went into, and every you now, retrospectively, get to see the challenges and the inexperience of the team who put this together. Yeah. How, did they, how did they manage it? They're all new, weren't they? It's insane. I've never been a project designer on a game before. Oh. I'll, just port, I'll just port Virtua Cop. You know, it's, it annoys me a little bit because in the West you've got all these developers going, oh, the sand's too difficult to program for. You've got these these guys fresh out of uni they just go, all right, port Model 2 to the sun. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> I mean, like that, no bother. Never yeah. done that before. Never programmed a game that size before. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. We're talking about like manipulating VDP2 to, you know, mask the camera moving around. And how are they doing this? (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I, and the fact it just plays so well as well, you know, it's fast, it's fluid, and it's an absolute dream to play with the Virtua Gun as well. Um, I've kind of, as I said before, I've admitted defeat on that, sadly, because I've got the Rad 2X and I don't want to be kind of, Switching between SCART and you know the yeah. Rad Two X going to a CRT if I could get my hands on one. So unless somebody manages to mod a, a Saturn light gun to work with, you know LCDs, I'll be stuck with it. But yeah. I it's just love it, mate. So many, so many hours put into it. Just one of my favourite games. Yeah, uh, I love. It. I, I must admit, I'm more partial to the second one. 
Yeah. Because that was one I owned. I owned that one first. So you seem to go for the original with Shenmue Virtual Cop. I'll go for Shenmue 2 and Virtual Cop 2. But... <laughs> Just noticed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Sonic 2 is another sequel which is top of my list. So, but, um, yeah, you can't deny the impact of Virtual Cop. Um, the way, the fact that that game alone didn't drive up Sega Saturn sales, I think if that, if it came to the, uh, if it came to the PlayStation, then it would have been lauded as, you know, an absolute triumph. Um, unfortunately, because of everything else that's happening at the time of the Saturn, I feel like it was kind of ignored, much like uh, much like the, the the next ones that we'll get onto your list. But uh, yeah, it's uh, a crying shame. But the the game itself, absolutely phenomenal, mate. Um, and the main reason that I have a CRT next to me, um... it's it's a dream to play. I mean, it absolutely pisses on Time Crisis as well. You know, yeah. just the time crisis is good fun, but you know, even even thing time crisis annoy me because the music I think it's deliberate. So it's like a clock. Yeah, you know, it's always meant to be like a clock ticking, but I just love how totally dramatic the Virtua Cop soundtrack is. You know, just at every every stage is iconic in its own right and unique in its own right and it's got a soundtrack that that perfectly suits it in each way so i love it love it and uh your number two mate number two it's it's a very close number um and it's a game which once again we recently seen maximilian dudes destroy taken by quoting the historical importance of it but yeah. it is Virtua Fighter 2. Yeah, that 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 top 10 fighting games. Now, he's, Max has done a, um, a follow-up with his personal top 10. Unfortunately, Virtua Fighter 2 isn't in there. But for Max to, to say what he said about Virtua Fighter 2 in terms of the impact that it had on the industry, just really underlines. And he says, the only problem with Virtua Fighter, the reason why Virtua Fighter 2 isn't as massive as a Tekken is just because it was on the Sega Saturn and not the play if it came. It's like I just said about Virtua Cop, if Virtua Fighter 2 came to the PlayStation and you look at, you know, the game came out in arcades in 1994. Yeah. This is a 1994 game. Yeah. Obviously it came to the Saturn in 95, but yeah. you can see from Toshinden to Tekken, everything is trying to be Virtua Fighter 2. In that first PlayStation year, and they they could not get close. No, no, it's it's again as, as even as he said as well. Like you had to be there. You had to be there like, yeah. to to witness like that coming home as well. Like because again, after we'd heard this, the criticisms of of Virtua Fighter One on the Saturn, you know, it ran at half the frame rate of the arcade. The glitching, as, as much as I love Virtua Fighter One and you do as well on the Saturn, but. Um, to go from that, you know, to you know, Virtua Fighter Two. And I think what Max said as well is that it's the number one selling game in all regions. Yeah. So you know, for a fighting game to be a console's number one selling game in every region the console yeah. was sold, <laughs> is testament as well to just how massive it was. And it, like, I still remember watching that Sega Saturn magazine VHS back in the day. And like it was only like a couple of kind of like rolling demos. I think one of them was like, like Pie and Lou, and they're on like Jeffrey stage. They're just going through all their kind of animations of fighting and kicking and rolling. And you're going, that's the sound doing that. 
it's like wow that's unbelievable and then obviously you you kind of got the the rolling demo and the later kind of Sega flash discs that would come and you know like the if I've spoken about before the the punch and kick mechanics aren't registered so the hitboxes aren't there but it's only the throws yeah but you're watching like Jeffrey picking up Wolf and that and you're going the size of these characters and they're just and it's 60 fps and it's rock solid there's no glitching or anything just a, a monumental I, I still call it the greatest technical achievement of that generation yeah i just think again if it had been on playstation it would have been oh the mighty virtue fighter but you know um they all go for tekken which yeah. is just you know as, as max also said tekken just basically tried to do what virtue fighter did before yeah. it <laughs> I my admission is that this was my number five. In fact, it might have even been number four for a little point when I was putting my list together. Um, I think it was number five, and then I thought, well, you know what, I haven't got a Dreamcast game, and I'll go for something else from Yu Suzuki. Another another number two. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll call it Virtual Fighter Two. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Oh, it's it's, but it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it was I got it bundled with my Sega Saturn, and it was when I hooked it up to that TV in the living room because it didn't have an RF cable, so I couldn't play it in my bedroom. But when I hooked it up in the living room, and it blew me away. I, I've never been so awestruck in all my years of gaming since. It was just a, a phenomenal moment. So an absolute classic there, mate, and just one of the finest fighting games ever made. And absolutely down. love it. So I wonder what your number one's going to be. Hmm. It's Daytona US. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is, of course, the mighty Sega Rally Championship 1995 on the Saturn. The greatest game ever made, in my opinion. I just I love it so much. It's just... Doesn't matter how many times you play it, doesn't matter how many times it pisses you off, how many times that red car cuts across you at the chicane and makes you press restart, how many times you're in a brilliant run and you're about to beat your time and your little timer comes up and tells you it's a yellow number and you're underneath your best time and you decide I'm going to skim this hairpin on mountain and take it so close that I get around it quicker and you smack your front end and end up facing the wrong way. It doesn't matter how many times you, you make mistakes on it and it gets right your nerves, but it's just, it's the absolute perfect arcade racer. I don't think anything comes close to it in terms of just sheer addictive value. If you, because I see people picking it up and they go, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I didn't finish Lakeside and I didn't finish first and I didn't get to play Lakeside, and I'm like, no, stop worrying about position. It's time. If you're if you're if you're fast enough, and it sounds daft, if you're fast enough, you'll finish first. Obviously, it's a race, but you're not. You don't use the cars as like positional indicators. Use them as markers for your time. You know, like I know, like if I can get to the blue car past the first checkpoint on desert, if I can get to him just as he's about to turn, I know I can use him as a speed boost to head towards the pink and blue car, and then I can use the pink and blue car to get. If I get to them before the first over jump, then I know that I've got a chance to catch the red guy before he, get, he gets to the chicane. Because if I don't pass the red guy by the time I get to the chicane, he, he's going to hit me. <laughs> so, and it's these, these wee things that 
you start to pick up and you, you use the cars as markers mentally for how fast you're going so it, it's ridiculously deep and again it comes back to that whole thing where people are talking about really short games like you can finish Sega Rally like, Four in minutes. like a minute like what, three, three minutes 17 is my current kind of best you know and I'm going to go back on and play it again and again I, I have not played any game more in my life than Sega Rally and I think Crazy Taxi is probably going to be the kind of second to that but Sega Rally is just oh what a game honestly and the Saturn port's just so good it's got no right to be that good and this is a first generation this is a second generation game you know second wave built from the ground up by the CS team monitored and assisted by AM3 without using the Sega graphics library again the Saturn's hard to program for yeah <laughs> it does make me laugh where I read the back of the uh, the back of the power box it says locked 30 frames per second you're like nice <laughs> it's 25 in a power region <laughs> but um, nice. oh, it's so it's yeah you couldn't have put it better mate obviously it's your favourite game of all time it's you know your, your love for it is well known but it really is deserving of the adulation that not just you but so many others do so many new Saturn owners or returning Saturn owners people that just say I'll put on the Saturn a lot of the time it's their show in Sega Rally um, when we had um the Sega Power guys on Dean was, you know, he was glowing <laughs> then talking about That's Sega right. Rally and always spoke very highly of it. It's, you know, it's a legendary game in every sense, like, like all, all of the games we mentioned. But again, Sega Rally just kind of solidifies that and it inspired an entire subgenre of racing games. You know, you wouldn't have your, your V Rally, your Colin McRae, your. Aye. WRC games, even the modern game, even Gran Turismo. Was it Gran Turismo Two that introduced the rally part, or was it Gran Turismo Three? One of them. You know, they all they all want to be Sega Rally, and, and none of them really, really match that magic. And they may have fifty tracks and two hundred cars, and they might have like quad bikes or something at the same time, and they might have, you know, you create a racer. You might be playing dirt, and you can you know, drive over exploding pits and go over ramps and fireworks go off there's just not Sega Rally you know three three perfect tracks two iconic cars and an absolute banger of a soundtrack it doesn't really get any better does it no it does not and if people haven't watched it then obviously we've got the 10 things I love about Sega Rally video um, it's about 13 minutes long so you can find that in the whatever direction the other videos are below. Um, you can find that in there if you've not watched it already. I did that kind of content just to kind of write a few wrongs from other content that I'd seen that were quite kind of, you know, 10 things I hate about Sega Rally and I hate the checkpoint system. I hate that it only has three tracks. I hate how hard it is. And I'm like, this is just clickbait shite. I'm going to, I need to... You know, I, I need to right the wrongs of that. It's just, it's people that, that pick it up and look at it from modern eyes and don't see it for what it is um, before going on to kind of create content and lambast it. I think that's very fair, but, you know, okay, I might be biased towards it, but, you know, we've got the experience behind playing it. We witnessed it at the time. We've seen the impact it had. And most of all, we've got 
into the depths of the mechanics behind it and we appreciate it for what it is. So, aye, I did that. Ten things I love about Sega Rally, specifically for that, just to kind of, you know, get it out there, just why it's just the perfect arcade racing game. And the results speak for themselves, right? It's our most watched video by a mile, at least double what the next one is. So, again, <laughs> that speaks to, you know, not just what a fantastic job that you did, but the popularity and the and the love for Sega Rally within the community. So, yeah, I think that that speaks for itself, mate. Right, it's crazy. I think it's over over seven hundred odd views alone for that video. Um, I don't have the exact number, but <clears throat> the engagement on it's been great. Even I think it's like eighty odd likes or something. So I had one dislike, probably for the guy that made the things. Uh... <laughs> what is I'll take it. Wanted to take a chainsaw to it, probably. Anyway, uh, <laughs> make sure as long as long as he doesn't set his tiger on us. <laughs> right, mate. I think that that brings us to the to the end of this fifty fiftieth episode extravaganza. Um, as always, mate, it's been an absolute honour. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we've always had, as always, a lot of fun this episode. It's just here's to here's to the next fifty uh, viewers, listeners. Thank you for all your support over the last nearly three years, but over the last 50 episodes and more with the new short video content that's coming out. Uh, please let us know what are your favourite memories of the show. You know, get in touch with us on the Radio Sega Discord. You can enter your comments in the comments box below. You can reach out to us on Twitter. You can catch me at swooper underscore D. You can catch James. At the Sagaholic, or I'm putting over there. He's over here, probably, or maybe over here. Over there, there. <laughs> you can catch us both at Sega Guys. But again, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the support. Yeah. Happy 50th, sir. And you, we will play you out with the Akira theme from Virtua Fighter on the Sega Saturn. See you on the Sega side. Sega. <laughs>